Hello and welcome to the next class. I'm Rob Birdsell, your host, and I'm joined by my co-host, Tom Burnford. Tom, good to see you. Hey, Rob, good to see you too. And uh, we are grateful that you're all listening again. This is the first episode of our second season. Tom, um, I know you're in the middle of a uh, pedalathon, a bikeathon. What what are you doing these days? This is kind of crazy. Absolutely. Well, my buddy challenged me. The Tour de France is on, and if they're riding in France, then we better be riding here as well. So we're on day 13, 14 of riding with the Tour de France, and I am sore, but uh, feeling pretty good. So, uh, how, how many miles are you doing every day? Uh, just 15-ish, something like that. Then more on the weekends. If we push hard, we'll do 40, 50 on the weekends. So, yep. Good stuff. That's, that's great. And um, great to have you again as, as my co-host. So today, Tom, we have a special guest in Father Dennis Holtschneider. And we'll bring him in here in a minute. Father Dennis is the president of the um, American Catholic Colleges and Universities Association. I think I got that right. But um, he is also the former president of DePaul University, where I knew him. And with that, let's welcome Father Dennis to the next class. Father Dennis, welcome. Uh, it's nice to be here. Here, Rob. Tom, nice to see you both. Good, good to see you, Father Dennis. So, Father Dennis, I got to begin with a great story. Uh, when I met you, I was leading Cristo Ray, uh, the Cristo Ray Network, and our board chairman said, you, you need to get an office other than that apartment building across the street from the original school. And so I thought where else would be a better place to try to find office space than at DePaul University. And uh, I remember emailing you, president at DePaul edu at a stoplight a quick email and literally i think 10 or 15 minutes later you responded and you said let's get lunch tomorrow and you and i got lunch at um oh, where was that the uh university club i think and and uh had a great session where we both battled whose whose mission is is better depaul or loyola uh, i mean depaul or Cristo Ray. and uh do, do you remember that lunch I remember the lunch. I don't remember the, the debate. <laughs> <laughs> and then my, my other great story, Father Dennis, with you is, uh, so you did offer us at that lunch um, to move our offices to DePaul, and it was a, a great run and beautiful offices. And uh, But once a year, Father John Foley and I would come over to see you and thank you as, as a great landlord and give you an update on Crease Ray. And after a few of those meetings, about four or five years in, you said, you know, Rob, you're really a Vincentian. And Father Foley and I looked at you and were a bit perplexed. And you said, well, in our, I think it's your common rules, your founding papers, your founding rules, if a Vincentian came across a Jesuit, he was to carry the Jesuits' bags. And you said, Rob, you've been carrying John Foley's bags for years now. You're really a Vincentian. <laughs> <laughs> I can picture John I think I got the, rolling his eyes. <laughs> John, John will listen to this podcast and be like, you're still telling that story, Rob? <laughs> but it was uh, it was great and some great years uh, working with you there and, and good to have you here. So to begin, uh, Father Dennis, it's been a wild, wild year, um, wild 15 months. You were new to this job, I think. When did, when did you start this role? I have been a president here at the Association of Catholic Colleges and Universities for two years now. You were pretty new when the pandemic hit. And um, you know, what, what have universities learned over the past 15 months that they will carry forward? Or what lessons, anything that you think they're going to continue and carry forward with over the past 15 months? Sure. So the, uh, the past year, won't surprise you, has been hard on the nation's 200 Catholic universities. Um, 
they've uh, they saw a drop in last year's freshman class, um, a pretty significant drop of students just choosing not to come to college in America. That was true across the country. Um, but also, um, we just learned this past week a drop in returning sophomores. So last year, about 75% of the freshmen returned for their sophomore year. Um, and that certainly is a drop from previous levels. Um, but they also lost all their international students last year in the freshman class because the U.S., because of the pandemic, stopped allowing international students into the country. Um, and then they they lost their employer-funded graduate students because employers during a pandemic just couldn't afford those tuition dollars. And cut, those were the first things cut. And then they had almost 70 areas of new spending they had to do to make their campuses safe and to suddenly operate online with uh, with two weeks notice. And so... Um, it was a it was a hard year on schools, and a, as you can imagine, um, a, a financially challenging year, especially for the smaller of the institutions that were always running close, you know, close budgets each year. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's a um, it's a, it leads to challenges the coming year. But I think there were some things that happened because they had to that have actually uh, will carry forward now. So you will see more online education in the country. That won't surprise you. We were doing almost 100% of it there for a while. Um, and faculty who didn't know how to teach in that modality have now learned. And they've made their early mistakes and they've gotten better. And uh, that um, that will certainly continue to more of a degree um, than they had anticipated. Um, I think you're also going to see campuses they realized that they don't need to house their back of office operations on campus necessarily. And there's a lot of offices and buildings that are on campus that house back of office operations that the students don't see, but are which are important. But in fact, they've learned much of that work can be done from home. And so I think you're going to see um, institutions trying to lessen their cost structure by pulling some of that off the off the way they run their campuses instead of bringing everybody to school. Wow, uh, that's Father Dennis. That's I'd be just that's really interesting because you know in the high school area, Catholic high schools, we had. I mean, to be honest, we had too much space in many high schools, which served to our advantage because we could spread our kids out in educating them because the schools were unenrolled. So we were able to sort of reutilize our space mm-hmm. um, to our advantage, which is why Catholic schools were able to open quicker than most public schools, because you could keep six feet apart. But what I'm hearing you say is that the pandemic sort of showed colleges that they've got too much space potentially, but on the administrative side, is that right? Yeah, I think they're going to find that they can. Uh, they don't need the expense of bringing people to campus, and so there could be uh, yeah. there could be space allocation in that regard. Um, and uh, but you know the back of house operations have grown steadily for decades as the government keeps adding more and more um, requirements, right. um, and we keep adding new offices on campus to accommodate all these new regulations, etc. And I think we've learned we don't necessarily have to do that. Um, so that right, right. Uh, it won't be visible up front, but it does cut some of the cost that students will have to pay, um, which is uh, you know which is probably useful. Um, you know, some of the things the students will notice, of course, is that um, application deadlines, were, which were once hard and fast for May 1st, are certainly been extended by many, many schools and because of the pandemic. But that'll probably 
last for a while as these schools are more competitive this year, trying to bring students back on campus. Um, and uh, I think you're also going to see uh, the continuation of something that had started even before the pandemic. But because so many family savings were decimated, people have been saving for many years to send their kids for college. And those savings went away this year when people lost their jobs and they had to survive. Yeah. Um, that there's a lot more um, negotiation between families and universities for financial aid packages. They get there, the university sends them their financial aid package, but then the negotiation begins. Well, this school is providing this, what can you provide? And it's a back and forth um, thing that never happened before, but which has really grown in recent years. And I think uh, as family savings have been so challenged, you're gonna watch just more of that happening right now. That's interesting, Father Dennis. You mentioned something also about online education. Everybody went, all, all the universities went online. Pre-pandemic, I'd read that about 30% of university courses are taught online. What What do you think going forward, It'll. you said you'll think it'll increase. Do you have a sense of how much will be online? No, I really don't have a number to give you at this point. Um, you know, because that dynamic went both directions at once. Um, mm -hmm. the more and more faculty were trained to do it and schools realized that disciplines they never thought they could deliver online, um, uh, such as opera training, um, you know, <laughs> when, they, when they had to, they found solutions. At the same time, both so many students and faculty found the experience less than ideal and mm -hmm. they actually don't want to go back to that. And so we have, we have both populations now. Um, that that have strong desires for more online opportunities. And please, God, don't let me have more <laughs> online opportunities. And uh, so what you've got is uh, markets now kind of stronger than ever in both directions. And, wow. and it'll be interesting to see where that balances out to the, you know, like the percentage you just mentioned. Got to make planning super hard, particularly space planning, you know, financial planning, um, you know, I, I, Father Dennis, last year I, I um, helped out. I was the interim president of a Catholic high school, uh, which had a, a leadership change. So I, I filled in for much of the academic year. And it was just fascinating to see the, the we were forced to become more fluid in particularly those two areas of when people could enroll and also how we negotiated uh, tuition payments for this coming year, just like you said. And I, I found a lot of people saying, well, everything will go back to normal. Everything will go back to normal. And I just, I just don't know if everything is going back to normal. And it sounds like you're, you're seeing this, you know, different camps saying, we hope everything goes back to all in person all the time. And then other people saying, well, we can maybe learn better or educate better in some areas in this way. And um, we found that at the high school level, um, you know, one of the things we did was we're like, you know, we, we this was a, a somewhat remote school is we're not going to be able to find a Latin teacher. So we're outsourcing Latin and doing it virtually, um, which sort of makes sense. Um, so, yeah, I think I think there's some similarities here. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah. you know, the, truthfully, and you can look at what happened at Catholic universities and predict what's going to happen. But I think what's really going to change us is what happened outside Catholic universities. That's, um, that's going to be sped up now because of the pandemic. The example, um, if, you, uh, if you looked at the, the new providers of higher education, 
So um, you can now get your, your computer degrees from Google, from IBM, from Microsoft, from Cisco, um, Intel. All of them are providing um, certificates-based um, higher education and then they're hire, they're hiring students without degrees. All the, these firms um, in finance, Goldman Sachs, Price Waterhouse, Sedaxa, are all offering certificate-based programs in business, and they're hiring new employees without full degrees. Um, and uh, um, in merchandise, it's Alibaba, it's Amazon, um, L'Oreal, Procter Gamble. They're doing the same thing. Um, the American Museum of Natural History and MoMA and National Geographic and the World Bank are all providing higher education now. And they don't have hundreds of students. They each have thousands of students. So Google has 147,000 students this this summer. Um, wow. And in a univer- no university has 147,000 students, um, but Google does. And so the really interesting stuff that's going to change higher education and change Catholic universities too is that the pandemic moved a lot of people into that new space and they found they like it and they have less less commitment to doing a full liberal arts degree so long as employers will still hire them when they're done. And that's the question because most employers won't. Most employers still want a four-year full degree, but that's changing. And the pandemic has sped that change up. And so that's going to fundamentally make us think about what we offer and how we offer, or we're going to become less relevant as the market shifts over to the new providers. Um, so this is a big deal, but it's that's where the most interesting change is happening. That's going to force us to change as well. Wow. That's, wow. that's fascinating, Father Dennison. If that's the biggest change, which is huge. How, how does that impact Catholic high schools or K-12 Catholic schools? Well, so we're in the we're in the speculation mode right now, right? So let me, right. this is pure speculation. And a year from now, I may, may have a new speculation. But if less students seek a four-year degree with its two years of required history and philosophy and theology and literature and social studies. And if the if that whole core curriculum kind of goes away in something that's more job specific, it puts more pressure on high schools to be the provider of the breadth of education in those four years. So it's more European. Mm. It's more European. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's a great deal of pressure in European high schools to be the provider for society. When you talk about a civil, an education to be a good citizen, you know, they're going to look more, ever more at at high schools to provide excellent, strong, liberal arts, full breadth education if they're not going to get it as much in the college years. Um, So if you ask me where the change could be, it could be in a push for them to, to really strengthen that area. But that's me speculating about the future. It's not happening now. Right. With that being said, let me take a second to introduce our sponsor, Catholic Virtual. Catholic Virtual is the trusted online education partner of Catholic schools worldwide. They develop customized online learning solutions to meet the needs of their partner schools and students. Visit their website at www.catholicvirtual.com to learn more. Now back to the episode. 
I, I, I mean, Father Dennis, I think there's something to that. Um, I, I specialized when I was 16 in high school in England. I went from studying 12 different subjects to studying three, and it was science mm-hmm. because that's what I applied to university for, for engineering. Um, and, you know, you specialize. You don't have two years of liberal arts general stuff at college. In fact, it was, it was crazy because I came here after high school and went to the Catholic University of America and was asked to study, you know, history and English. And I'm like, wait, I haven't done that for a couple of years. I'm, I'm a science guy. Didn't work out so well, by the way. I ended up switching to theology and philosophy, which I love. But um, my mom always wanted me to be an engineer. Um, so I, I feel like there's a battle for the 18, 19-year-old between colleges and certainly community colleges and high schools um, because a lot of parents don't want to pay for four years of college. They want to pay, you know, they want less um, because college is so expensive. Um, but I think that's, uh, that's that specialization idea is fascinating. And then we have to talk about our mission in Catholic education, Correct. not just to prepare people for jobs, but to form the person. Yeah. And that's got to be a huge um huge shift well, yeah. if, if anything you guys from what father dennis is uh, you know we're looking into the future here but it would be an opportunity for catholic high schools um that if families are not going to pay the two hundred fifty thousand for a college degree and send them to google instead they may be more inclined to pay the fifteen thousand for a catholic high school We'll put the 60000 to get you formed, as Tom, you're suggesting, as a whole person, because we know you're going to go to Google or Pricewaterhouse or Goldman Sachs to get your post-secondary. Yeah, yeah it's really it's really a whole line of what ifs, what if that you start you start thinking about when you watch this change. But that that movement to those new providers is not of uh, an unclear future. It's it's happened. There, those those individuals are there, and it's just moving more quickly because of the pandemic. Right. Yep. Right. Well, let's, let's, let's move back to the to the present, Father Dennis. Yeah. And what what is this fall going to look like on Catholic university campuses? Um, we're gonna um, they'll be, they'll almost entirely be open for business. They're gonna be welcoming students back into the dorms. They're gonna be operating their classes in person. They'll certainly have more online options. And they'll create pathways for students who don't want to come back to campus yet. Um, so you'll see pathways provided for them to do that and accommodations to do that. But by and large, we're back open as we always have been in the fall. Um, the challenge for operating these universities this fall is going to be that when you have an enrollment drop in your freshman class, and now it'll be um, the sophomore class, right? Um, that enrollment drop continues for four years. That particular class has less in it, which means that school's income has dropped for that four-year period. So all of these schools had to downsize. There was a lot of downsizing over this period. Um, there was a lot of uh, even closing whole programs, closing athletic teams, shutting down um, some of them. Um, and I think you're going to watch more cost-cutting than ever this year because last year they held on because they got money from three stimulus bills. The Catholic universities, Mm -hmm. all of them were written into the stimulus bills. 
and that will not happen this coming year. So they're going to have the costs, they're going to have the lower income, and they're going to have no government money to offset it. So you're going to watch schools making very hard financial decisions this year so that they can kind of see their way through not a one-year pandemic, but for them will be a four-year experience of surviving through the effects of that pandemic. Um, and that'll be interesting. Yeah. Are you seeing any, Father Dennis, are you seeing any sort of uh, schools really, uh, any examples of real creativity or innovation in how to uh, how to how to do more with less, which, of course, we've been I mean, as church, we've been doing doing that forever. But I mean, are you seeing any examples? I mean, one example, you know, the, the school I was working at, we had to do was just to really forge a good partnership with a, actually a local community college because we couldn't find a, a chemistry teacher. Mm -hmm. So we outsourced chemistry to the community college at a super cheap rate, um, which was great. Um, and then our basic science course, we lost a teacher at the last minute. So we, we provided that virtually. Um, so, you know, stuff like that. Do you have any examples of really creative ways people try to address some of these challenges? Yeah. And, you know, it's not just problem solving, right? There was opportunity in all this because uh, mm. these universities suddenly realized they could actually bring in some of the top names in the world because now it was online and those people didn't need to leave their homes or jobs. So suddenly, yep. suddenly there was some really interesting developments across America at our universities, and I'm sure at other universities too, where faculty got creative and said, let's invite the president of that small nation to, to talk to our students about this topic. You know, wow. let's, uh, let's talk the head of that corporation to talk to our students about this topic. You know, let's, let's get this artist to come and talk about that topic. And um, as they moved to online opportunities, they were able to scale up some of the individuals that students could engage as part of their education, which was, that was creative and fun. And I, uh, I think I applaud those who uh, took the opportunity to do it. Um, yeah. You know, certainly we 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 uh, saw um, kind of an increase in contracts with two-year institutions, as you say. Um, but in our case, they tend to be um, they tend to be helping with the access and affordability agenda. Of okay, a student can start at the local two-year college. And we have pre-agreements for their curriculum that will everything will automatically transfer, and then they can finish their degree in the four-year college in the major with you know the reputation of the diploma from the four-year college at the end. Um, but the early part of their education is offered in a much cheaper way at the local two-year institution, and the number of our schools are now you know um, engaging those relationships with local two-year schools. Um, we're also seeing early enrollment with partner high schools. You know, so while students are in high school, they are also enrolled in their partner Catholic university. And uh, yes, and so that's not new, um, but we're certainly seeing more of it. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Father Dennis, you're aware that uh, Marquette University is offering through Catholic Virtual a uh, dual credit, and there is a lot of excitement about that mm -hmm. from. Uh, access, affordability, uh, college prep differentiation. So that's, um, and I know you were doing that at DePaul with some of the community colleges in Chicago to have students 
enter the community college and, and then transfer into DePaul. So that's that's exciting to see that that is moving across the country too. Indeed, yeah. Um, so you know, besides that, I think you're going to watch uh, schools get more more specific about the programs they're offering and not try to be everything to everybody. And so you're going to you're going to watch them cutting under enrolled programs, which they just left in place in the past, even though there might have been few majors in it. And you're going to watch schools making harder decisions and more thoughtful decisions about what are the majors they offer and what majors you just need to go to another institution to get. Um, but uh, but what they're also doing is they're turning to other universities and saying, OK, um, we don't have a professor in that, but what if we share a professor in that and that professor um, can uh, can teach online for you or your students can take their course over here? There's some there's there's behind the scenes conversation to think about how to share faculty that is not fully yeah. developed yet. But those conversations are afoot. That's that's, that's yeah, really got to be. That's got to be fascinating, though, because that goes that flies in the face of our beloved inherent Catholic competitiveness, right? <laughs> I mean, it's just like uh, that's yeah, that's maybe why that's behind the scenes. But I mean, I think that's that's got to be part of the way mm -hmm. to go of sharing resources, of coming together, and and then of course, how do we maintain our individual charisms while working together in a common mission as you know, Catholic colleges and universities, or as, um, you know, high schools in a particular area. Uh, yeah. Well, and Father, that's one of the questions I, I was thinking about. Do you see mergers occurring in the future, in the near future, between Catholic universities? You know, so I can tell you um, there have been a number of conversations about that in recent years, and there are a couple of conversations happening right now. Um, for the most part, those conversations fail. Um, obviously, um, there are other counterexamples. Um, Detroit Mercy is a powerful success story. Really, uh, there are good examples of it, but most of them fail for a couple reasons. Um, either by the time they're looking at merging, they've waited too long, and financially, yeah, too late. financially, the, the one school is being asked to buy another school's debt. Um, and that happens when healthcare and hospitals sometimes do wait too long to merge into systems. Um, but also because sometimes the schools that want to merge want to work in a regional area together where there's larger problems of, of, of just the population downsizing. And so the merger doesn't solve the larger problem in which you're engaging. You know, Catholicism has moved from the north and east of our country to the south and west. But by and large, our universities haven't. And they're mm -hmm. just in the wrong right. place for the new population. And but it, yeah. so it, it's interesting to see what a merger would accomplish in a given geographic area and for whom. So and besides that, you just get alumni that go, I don't want to lose my sports team name. I don't want to change the name of a school where my grandfather gave this window. Um these things fall apart generally on human lines, not business lines. Um, and uh, it's, a, it's a tough thing to pull off. You know, one of the things, Father Dennis, because, I mean, I saw those same reasons when I was working with uh, Catholic schools in a regional area in a diocese. And, you know, and that the success stories were the schools that had leadership that said, let us come together before we are backs are against the wall. Yeah. 
and come together early. Uh, I always think of um, uh, St. Francis International School in, in here in D.C., a great success uh, where two schools came together to form a new school. Um, but I think uh, there's um, what's shifted is the pandemic has forced us to rethink geography because of the potential of more virtual education. In the high school level, that gives us the option to even have students on campus four days a week or even three days a week as opposed to five. Mm -hmm. It's anathema in some sense. And yet there are parents who want that and they're willing to drive further for three or four days as opposed to five. But even beyond that, fully virtual options um, can, can break down geographies altogether. I mean, we cannot pick up our buildings from the Northeast and Midwest and move them to the Southwest. Mm -hmm. we, can't, we can't do that. But that doesn't mean we can't continue our mission in creative and new ways. Um, and I think there's a lot of opportunity there. Um, and to go back to your Google analogy, you better believe Google is not, you know, for their 100 plus thousand students, they're not bound by geography. Right. They figured out how to how to break down those those barriers. That's fascinating. Well, Father Dennis, um, we really appreciate you being our first guest again in season two, and uh, we're going to carry one tradition over from season one, and that is we ask all of our guests a final question at the end. And that is, who is your greatest teacher, and why? <laughs> <laughs> I got gotcha. you. <laughs> oh, you did. And uh, so there's so many. There's so many different answers to that. You know, how do you answer? It's like asking your favorite music. Um, <laughs> so, um, uh, you know, I'll, uh, I can tell any number of stories in that regard. I suppose. Um, I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you one story. My, I, I have. It's not a, it's not when I was a formal student. It was after I'd finished university. I had a mathematics um, secondary education degree, and I was teaching at Bedford-Stuyvesant in Brooklyn. Um, and we had a school that had about 800 adults, and none of them, um, I, all of them had high school diplomas from New York, and none of them could read because they had been socially promoted, which happened in the 70s. And um, we were we were helping them learn just literacy, um, but. That daughter of charity, Sister Jean Marie Wheeler, um, walked through that room and watched every student. And just before there was individual learning plans, she said, you don't learn that way, honey. You learn this way. Let's go in something visual for you. Let's go in phonics for you. Let's do this for you. And she had people at all different tables, and she just watched and learned. And I learned how to be a teacher by watching how she spent all of her time observing her students and adjusting. And that changed the way I thought about being a teacher from what information I wanted to convey to what these individuals needed to get there. And so today I'll call her my best teacher and then save me for a future episode for others. <laughs> You'll be prepared next time, but I like surprising people with that one. We've had some great answers. We had, a, we had one Catholic school president who said, Jesus Christ is his greatest teacher. And I sort of said, well, after that one, how do you, how do you up that one? Yeah. And, uh, and Jeb Bush was great. He said his mother was. And so we've had some, some great uh, examples of great teachers, but yours right there. That's a that's a powerful one. Yeah. Uh, you know, individualized learning before we called it individualized learning. Um, yep. 
Great. Well, Father Dennis, thank you again for being um, being a guest and good to see you. And I look forward to seeing you in D.C. when I'm there next. And uh, Tom, good to be Thanks. with you. And Good to be with you. Thanks so much, Father Dennis. No, you, God bless you. And God bless everyone who's listening in for your good work for, uh, for the next generation. I, I really admire it. Great. And thank you all for being with us. And we'll see you on the next class. We hope you enjoyed this episode today. If you did, we'd greatly appreciate it if you would share this episode with your friends and family. If you get a moment to rate or review us, that too would be much appreciated. Have a great day.